Pottercast is pleased to be sponsored this week by Alavans.com. At Alavans.com, you'll find authentic solid wood magic wands and broomsticks, as well as a full line of high-quality wizard wear. Keep listening in the show for an announcement during the next break to find out how to get a special Leaky Cauldron community discount at Alavans.com online store. Welcome to another... Welcome to Pottercast, the official podcast of the Leaky Cauldron. The Leaky Cauldron. The Leaky Cauldron. You hear that, uh? The Leaky Cauldron. And now, Leaky's own, Melissa and Ellie. Hey, Potter Protrudies. <laughs> I'm Melissa. Welcome to Pottercast 23. Thanks so much for being patient while we worked out some of the uh, unfortunate technical difficulties that held this show back a little bit this week. You see, it's John Noe's fault. He couldn't take the heat, so he, um, well, he burned down his kitchen. (laughs) I mean, he really did. He really started a fire in his kitchen. Thank God nobody was hurt, but you've probably heard about this before. And I just wanted to officially announce that every listener has my full permission to refer to him as Hot Pants from here on in. It's John Hot Pants Snowy, everybody. So anyway, that began a week of technical nightmares, which is responsible for the delay of this week's show. So we have a couple of short announcements before we go into the show this week. We all have been working extra, extra hard on the mysterious Project 55, which will be unveiled soon. And so to give everybody a little breather and to get exactly what you've all been buzzing about this week and waiting for, this show will only consist of the news and news discussion segments and the second part of our interview with Arthur Levine, co-editor of the Harry Potter books. We've got some great stuff in this segment, so we hope you enjoy. We also have a tiny favor to ask. We, like so many podcasts, are watching the production values of the show get more expensive and the effort involved get more extensive. So we need to find a way to support ourselves. This means we need to find a more permanent advertiser for the show than we have now. To do that, we're going to need some info from you so that we can provide you with better content, quality, consistency, as well as help support all of Leaky and the Flu Network without having to take away from the show. So we have one favor to ask. If you will, please visit pottercast.com. You'll find a prominent link to a survey by PodTrack. We would really appreciate it if you went and filled this out truthfully. And that goes for teens as well as our older set of listeners here who we know are less likely to go and click buttons and those kind of things. We promise your information is and will stay completely private, only be used to determine the quality of our audience so that we can find support that matches your interest and isn't some random advertisement that you're not interested in. So if you go to podcast.com and fill that out, we will appreciate it greatly. Now, there are some interesting uh, discussion topics (laughs) coming up, so let's get right to it. Enjoy. Listening to the news again? As if a normal boy cares what's on the news. Hi everyone, Sue Upton here with a recap of some of the top news in the Harry Potter world this week. Author J.K. Rowling has donated a handwritten, signed item that will be auctioned off in order to raise funds for Book Aid International. This will take place on February 21st in London, England. Book Aid International is a charity that helps promote learning and literacy in some of the world's poorest countries. At the time of this broadcast, all that was known about this item that was donated by Joe is that it is written on an 11 by 16 inch piece of paper and involves Harry Potter, is signed by her, and involves the phrase, Between the Lines. Hmm. There will be a preview of it in the Daily Telegraph newspaper this Saturday, January 28th, and the Observer on Sunday. We hope to have the scans up from this preview as soon as possible. Also, our favorite author is continuing to help other less fortunates as she travels to Europe to attend a charity dinner held on Wednesday, January 25th in Bucharest, Romania. This event is being held in order to help raise funds and awareness of the plight of children in Eastern European orphanages. Joe is scheduled to be interviewed at this dinner, and the event is due to be televised as well as broadcast on the Internet. Please check our website or click on Leaky News as we hope to have some video and a transcript up of this event. And other book-related news, Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince will be released on paperback here in the U.S. on July 25th and will retail for $9.99 and have 672 pages. It will also come out in paperback in Canada on the same date. The U.K. version will be released in paperback almost a month earlier, and that will be on June 23rd. 
Turning to film news now, Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire received three nominations at the BAFTAs in the category of Achievements in Special Visual Effects, Production Design, and Makeup and Hair. These prestigious awards will be presented on February 19th in London, England, and will be hosted by Stephen Fry, who narrates the UK Harry Potter audiobooks. Finally, we have confirmation that actor Chris Rankin will be returning to the role of Percy Weasley in the upcoming Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix film. A fan favorite, many of us were disappointed that he did not appear in Goblet of Fire and are delighted that he will be returning to the role in the fifth Potter film. Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix will begin filming next month and is set for a 2007 release. Well, for the finest in Harry Potter news on the web, you can find it all at leakynews.com as our website is updated daily. There sure is a lot to get to this week, so let's get on to it now and enjoy the show. Okay, it's Pottercast 23. I'm Melissa. I am here with these dopies. Yeah. <laughs> Dopey one. I'm We're not dopies. Because <laughs> we don't breathe into our mics. Am I breathing? Yeah. Sorry, I lost a little windscreen, guys, so no. um, uh. so it's going to be a little bit breathy. Hold on a second. Anyway, yeah, I'm... um. You're dealing with a very exhausted version of me, a very exhausted version of John. Everybody's Everybody. exhausted. Yeah, me too. Crazy. We have spent this entire, and when I say entire, I mean entire weekend working on the Mysterious 55. Talk about your fun weekends. <laughs> <laughs> well, the fun's going to come in when it's unveiled and we watch you guys react. That will be the fun. Yeah. Soon, right? Yes. <laughs> Yeah, think about it. just two more weeks. And no, we'll have no, <laughs> no, two more weeks. <laughs> We're no. Kill our listeners. <laughs> a few more days, and Leaky will have fifty-five. Yeah. The guesses have been great, but nobody's hit it. I'm sort of amazed. Yeah, I have no idea why. I mean, I gave probably the best clue. <laughs> oh. <laughs> if, you, if you see a clue yeah. from John, just close your eyes and move on. It's not going to help you. Oh, come on. <laughs> yeah, maybe like seventy-five percent of the clues bogus, but. That 25% is gold. Yeah, it's finding that 25%. I mean, I can't make it too easy. We don't want everybody guessing right away. I'm sorry. When this is over, people can look back on my clues and notice how completely, completely huge and easy they are, and they're going to smack themselves in the head. Uh, apparently, nobody knows how to use archive.org, or they would be figuring out Ooh, that was an excellent clue. John, you gave a good clue. Dang right. That is. a good clue. They're all good clues. Well, that might have done it. I think anybody listening to this who's been paying attention will actually know what 55 is when you, when you hear that. Mm-hmm. Yep, we'll see. Very Maybe. good. So, yeah. I can't even... My brain can't even parse what is in our news page this week. So, Sue, what should we talk about? Uh, yeah, what's well, the news here, Sue? Well, this is one that's it's near and dear to us, which is that Miss JKR has donated a handwritten item to Book Aid International. Book Aid. Which, yes. Our favorite, Book Aid. Yes. And we're still trying to find out more information about it, but as we know that how important leaky readers will know that Book Aid is very important to the site, and I just think yeah. it's great. She's awesome. I love Joe. Helps kids learn how to read good. That's what <laughs> yeah. And do other things good yeah. too. John, if we're ever in London together, I'm going to drive you right over to Book Aid. They're going to have a little John section waiting. <laughs> they're going to teach you. No. They're going to hook me up <laughs> the machine. Yeah. No, Book Aid is a very, very special charity. It's a very <clears throat> special organization near and dear to Leaky. If you're not <clears throat> familiar, they are the charity that was benefiting from the first ever Get a Clue drive, which is when J.K. Rowling donated a signed card containing clues to book five. And if you were around the fandom during that time, you know that Leaky and the fans worldwide gathered together to raise $24,000 to try and win that card. We didn't right. win it, but it was a time of intense, intense goodwill oh, yeah. and hard work and really just such a, an abundance of love coming over from around the fandom to show support for a literacy charity. It's got a real special place in Leaky's heart. Yeah, it was so nice of Joe to uh, give you a copy of that card <laughs> in appreciation yeah. for the yeah. efforts. Yeah. And not show anybody. You know, she has the safe in her in her room of requirement, and you know, I yeah. I have one in my closet. Yeah. Yeah. Joe's stuff. yeah that, I've seen your closet. No one can get to that safe. That's true. Thanks a lot, Sue. <laughs> so the shoes and all those cookies you guys sent us to enjoy. <laughs> Ew, we never got really, to see. Do you really think those haven't been washed and moved by now? Oh, the boxes? Do you really think? <laughs> <laughs> no, probably, probably been Yeah, moved. those were gone by the next day. Oh. People attacked. It was great. Yeah, I'm getting myself a little P.O. box. 
or down here in Miami. So he can go to the next level of famous. Yeah, yeah. So you can bypass uh, Melissa. Are you really? Well, no, maybe. You should call it. It would be cool. <laughs> so all those cards, those Chipotle cards, can just come streaming right into you. That's good. No, no, I'd never ask That's anybody. That's true. They're both. No one's They're sitting on my nothing. desk right now. Your Chipotle cards. Oh yeah. God. Even exhausted to the bone, we can't help getting off topic. It's really no, a... no, that's not that's not off topic at all. No, I've just been put on the ChipotleLovers.com. Oh, that's right. That's, <gasps> that's right. <laughs> <laughs> it's awesome. You know, I've just been featured with all the other Chipotle royalty up there. Chipotle King is sitting there going, who's this John Noe character? <laughs> Let's get him an advertising contract. Yeah, you know that guy Jared Subway? That's, that's going to be me with the oh, Chipotle. Oh, gosh. Okay, okay. What else is going on, Sue, in the news? Oh, uh, well, I, I don't know. How can I pass that up after the Chipotle? I know. <laughs> Seen a little dancing Chipotle costume out there someday. I can just see it now. That'd be a cool How do you summer. move on yeah. after Chipotle? I know how to move I on. I know how to move on. Okay. Chris Rankin is in Order of the Phoenix, everybody. Yeah. Which, okay. Everybody, it's always news when. Matt Lewis confirms that he's in Order of the Phoenix. Jimmy Whaley confirms that he's in Order of the Phoenix. This one confirms... Mm. Pre- I mean, pretty much everybody you'd think that's going to be in the movie is. If there hasn't been well, a, a big news... Except Mrs. Weasley. No, she's in Order of the Phoenix. Oh, well, she is? She is in Order of the Phoenix. Yeah. No. Yeah, she, she, she confirmed it. Yeah. Uh, if, if somebody big wasn't in Order of the Phoenix, that's what you'd hear about. The reason Chris Rankin is a big deal is because there was a big question about whether Percy, the character of Percy, Percy's storyline in book five would make it, mm-hmm. and it looks like it is. Well, no, no, I heard on, on MuggleNet that um, they actually casted him for the part of Bill Weasley instead of Percy. They're canned the whole Percy what? line. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. It's true. No. They're much more reliable. No. I believe it. But yes, yes, Percy. Yeah, well, they, they um, have to have Percy in there. I mean, he's well, so... I don't know. They've cut a lot of stuff out that you didn't think. And if you really think about it, if they really were paring down the book, you could you could imagine them saying... Well, sure, it's heart tugging, but mm, you know, yeah. not that that's not a choice I'd make. I would keep him in there every day and right. twice on Sunday. Yeah, you know, not much going on this week though. Well, it huh? is. It's, it's a cool. quiet week in news, guys. Yeah. Well, everything's happening yeah. with us, so not much in the news. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be a pretty short show this week. There's too much going on with Gold Fifty Five and Hot Cheryl and everybody, <laughs> so we'll have to put out a longer show. Probably next week with more of uh, your favorite bald man, Arthur Arthur Levine. I believe if <laughs> if I'm not if I'm not mistaken, I believe this is the segment that talks about the extra three lines in Harry Potter and the Half Blood oh, Prince. Oh, good. Yeah. That's, that's yes. Good stuff. If my mental timeline is is correct. Yeah, uh, yes. I actually heard that if you rearrange the letters in those three <laughs> words, it spells out uh, Harry will die. <laughs> True. No, uh, not. And they had to cut it. It gave too much away. Uh, if you play his, his interview backwards, does that happen too? Yeah. <laughs> 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 no, seriously, if, for for those listening who aren't crazed Potter fans, though I don't know why you're listening, um, we there were three extra lines put left in the, trans, the manuscript of Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince in America and not in England. And usually, mm-hmm. you know, stuff happens... But it was sort of at a key moment in the book, and yes. so it's been a big question ever since, and Arthur mm-hmm. answered it for us. Yeah, it was yes. actually right when Harry was kissing Jenny, and those those three extra words <laughs> were just a few more adjectives to describe John, it. John, if, if you ever, like, like sold your books, your version, your books that you read when everybody else is reading Harry <laughs> Potter, man, that must be the most varied book. You, you would get so much money on eBay. All the errors seem to get into your book. Yeah, I probably have no problem at all um, getting that thing published and uh, selling that thing without getting sued by ten different yeah, people. Yeah, big hope there. <laughs> yeah, big hope. Put out a book called Harry Potter and the Chipotle Burrito and see what happens. <laughs> yeah, well, Joe pretty much stole the uh, idea for Quidditch from me already, actually. Oops. Yeah. Oh. I actually got. I'm sorry, the- Joe. I I, I was putting <laughs> out a, a default apology for John Noe on everything. Go if you're listening. No, I I got the idea when I was uh, on a train ride back mm-hmm. to uh, Toronto mm-hmm. from Ohio. I was yeah. sketching out on a little napkin mm-hmm. the rules and the ideas for the balls. And can, we, can we go? No. Yes, what? please. Please. Yeah, short show this week. Short show. Yeah, let's move on to uh, something else. 
Okay. Let's get to Stay Arthur. Stay tuned for Arthur. Yes, Arthur. Yeah. After these brief messages. <laughs> if you haven't been over to Alavans.com, be sure to check out their line of solid wood magic wands and authentic clothing. As our sponsors this week, Alavans.com are offering the Leaky Cauldron podcast listeners a 10% discount. You can pick up the coupon at coupons.blastpodcast.com. It's good for use on all Alavans merchandise. Alavans.com for your spellwork needs. Time to put on our extendable ears. Listen in on Potter Talk from the people making the magic. What was that like in the beginning? What was it like to try and forge this relationship with this completely unknown? The same way it would be with any writer, but with Joan specific. Well, it was a lot of fun because she, she's a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, you know, she's. Uh, I think you. Somebody was it one of the fans asked what it was like to meet her, or the initial your initial response to her was one of our fan questions. Well, yeah, I mean, I I remember you know my very first conversation with her. You know, after that auction, mm-hmm. I was thinking, wow, this you know. This woman is unknown, you know. She's this is like the you know her initial advance was three thousand pounds, and this could be really shocking. Um, Were you the one to bring her the news? Well, I, I would assume that her agent just right, probably gave her the, that specific news. But I wanted to talk to her, you know, as, as soon as I could, because also I was excited. I wanted to meet her, yeah. and I remember that first conversation, and um, which is. How you know, charming she was, and uh, you know, disarming and uh, you know, unaffected. What did you talk about? Really well, I, I think mainly I just wanted to kind of reassure her that the amount of money was not particularly was not was not the most important thing. I mean, not that I thought she would think that, but I wanted her to not be freaked out by the, the kind of crazy auction that had taken place. And I wanted her to know that um, my interest and my, my passion was in her writing and that it was not going to be coming from a place of we need, we need to earn back this big money, you know. Right, we've taken so, a gamble on you, and now you have to pay us back. Like that kind of thing. You wanted to well, discourage you know, that. I just wanted her to, to know how much we truly believed in her, and how we were in it for the long term, and you know that she should feel confident, that she shouldn't feel. You know, and the only expression I can think of is freaked out by it because I, I thought that was a possibility. Yeah. Now, how do you think that the relationship has changed between you guys over the years? Well, we, you know, we've been through a lot together. <laughs> you know, just the whole crazy um, process of Harry Potter and its phenomenal growth, um, and you know, just and all the changes in our our personal lives yeah. that, that have happened, you know, over that period of time and becoming parents and you know, for her again. Um, <laughs> So I, I just think, as as with any friend, you know, as time goes by, you just gain a closeness from shared experience. Yeah. And I, I also think that it's there's something that's very special about the fact that we knew each other before it all happened. Mm-hmm. You know, like this was. I, I she, she she must know in her heart that I was interested in her and you know respected her and was excited about her as a writer before she was a famous person. You know when she was unknown, that was when I really fell in love with her writing. And I think that that's a that is a a close bond to have with an author. They you know she must know that I'm not that I, it's not. Particularly, I don't particularly care that about all the fame and hoopla. That it really, for me, just as it was in the first one, was mostly about is the excitement of the book and the writing. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And then I care about her as a person. Well, when this all started to happen, and the books went from something that would be around forever and would eventually pay back this huge advance to something that could sell that in about 10 minutes, how did things start to change? Not, not specifically between your relationship, but just what was all that like as all this started to explode? Well, <laughs> it's such a big question. It's kind of hard to kind of... Um, put that into a little cup and answer it as a, you know, yeah. in a draft. Um, I think a number of things happened. It, it certainly... There, for, for many years, and I guess I suppose even to the present, there, every time a new book comes out, there's a, once more kind of an amazement at um, the size of it and the extent of it and the... The, the drama and, you know, it's it, the fact that um, a book and an author are a cultural, an immediate cultural phenomenon. Mm -hmm. That's very unusual. I would say that's unique to for me with the Harry Potter books. Especially in book publishing. doesn't uh, really happen. Yeah, the fact that I can continue continually and each year, each time, amazed that it is a book and an author that are creating this sensation in, in the media that are actually um, it's an book. This book publication is an event that is noted you know, by the by the news media, by the you know, by TV, by radio. You know, I. Of course, I wish that this were true for even more books, yeah. but it, it makes you think with with pleasure about how great it is that you know people could actually be aware of the publication date of yeah. a book yeah. and be counting down to it, excited about it. You know that that that's been that's grown and changed and gotten bigger and bigger and bigger. Was there, can you remember a specific moment where, that you felt was like a benchmark? Some, at some point during this, where you just sat back and said, wow, we've done something really big here. Big. <laughs> well, you know, it's kind of quaint to me now for, for me to look back and think of the things that I thought were big. Because um, they keep getting. Yeah, I mean, I remember when Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone made it onto the New York Times bestseller list at number 16. And that was that was a fantastic accomplishment because it was a children's book and it was on the New York Times list, which was a combination at that time. Combination. Right. It was an adult books list. Right. And here we were a children's book that was showing that we could have, you know, a big audience and make a big difference in the world of publishing. And that was a we were really excited about that. Um and we were we were really excited that we had put this first time author onto the New York Times bestseller list. That yeah. was huge excitement. And we I remember we had champagne and we kind of uh, you know we had a whole little toast in there. It was that was very exciting. Um, and then I remember when the books were number one, number two, and number three on that very <laughs> same you know quote combined adult and children's bestseller list. I mean, yeah. Then I certainly knew. Oh, this is a gigantic phenomenon. Yeah. And then the moment that that even caused a split, right? right. <laughs> it actually influenced the publication of the New York Times. You know, so that's right. huge. Old green lady. Um, I want to make sure we get into because the fans will never forgive me. Um, the differences between the between the editions. Uh -huh. um, I cannot. Well, if you want to explain the general process behind changing the Britishisms. Mm -hmm. A lot of people say, oh, wh why can't you just say jumper instead of sweater? Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, so can you tell us the process behind that? Well, um, once again, it's a, a very common process that, that um, we go through when we're making a book. Um, for an American audience. Um, in the case of a translation from French, we change absolutely every single one of the words. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I, I don't I don't mean flip about that. Yeah. You know, yeah. German, every single word is changed. Yeah. You now, have to. <laughs> there's no attempt to make the French book, and that's we never, never pretend we're making the French book a quote American. We're not Americanizing the French book. Um, we're not Americanizing the German book. Mm-hmm. We are putting it in language that, that our readers will find comfortable and non-intrusive and yeah. you know, will allow them to have the experience that the author intended, um, which is always your first, always your primary goal mm-hmm. as a publisher. You want the reader, whether you're originating a book or bringing it from somewhere else, you want the reader to have the experience that the author intended. Mm-hmm. So, when you have a book that is in English or Australian, um, you know, English, and it comes through, you read the text, and you, as an editor, you note the points at which you you stumble or are confused, um, and you flag those, and you say, oh, oh, stumble, stumble, you know, what's this? Um, now, many, this this is again, pre- the phenomenon. Right. Um, many, I would say, this may have changed somewhat now. Maybe it, for other, for new books, we know, you know, everyone knows what a jumper is. Mm-hmm. Um, but in 1997, I would say a large majority of um, eight-year-olds, remember this is, we marketed, we thought this is a book for eight to 12-year-olds. Right. So most eight-year-olds who have heard of the word jumper will think of it as a dress, a little pin, dress with, I think you call it a pinafore? Yeah. yeah. Um, it's a specific kind of dress. Mm-hmm. Um, and you might say, well, why is, it, why, is this, why is Harry Potter wearing a dress? <laughs> it's a fair question. Right? But when you put it like that, yeah. Right. I mean, so that's just so, this is yours now that you flag this. And then you say, um, as I did at the end, you know, you come up with this list of, of instances, and it could be for any reason why you've stumbled. It could be the, the way something is written, or the transition from one paragraph to another, or it could be an individual word. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have a conversation with the author about it. Yeah. So, and the conversation goes something like this. You say, well, is there, we're a little confused by this. Um, or there's the potential for confusion. Is there another way of saying it? Is there another British way of saying this? Um, would it, you know, so, for instance, English people use the word sweater. Right. It's not a, you know... It's not an Americanism. Um, yeah, I mean, we, we more commonly use the word sweater, but mm-hmm. if you, you know, you're walking around in England, and you point, you say, oh, how much is that sweater? Right. You know, in the window. Everyone, you know, it's a common word. Yeah. Um, so that's not an that's not a terribly intrusive thing. Um, and so Joe might say, "Well, that's fine." Um, but we were particularly careful about it when, it, when when such a word came up in character speech. Mm-hmm. So then, very often, even if the word could potentially cause confusion, we would leave it as is. Because she's, if, for instance, when Hagrid speaks, it's got to be in his very specific um, diction, right. and then we would we have to try to find a way to explain things. Like I remember there was um, Christmas crackers. Now, really, we don't have crack. You know, the only crackers is especially difficult when we have the word right. in American slang. Or parlance, but it means something different. Mm-hmm. So a cra- we have crackers. We use the word cracker. Yeah. But it's a different word. So how do you convey that to American readers? Because you also can't you can't translate the word. It's called a Christmas cracker. So in that case, we had to we meaning me and Joe mm-hmm. had to go look at the paragraph and say, how can we put in how can we Put in this paragraph somewhere a phrase that explains that it is something that, that when pulled, makes noise. 
Right. So I remember we, I don't remember exactly how, but we worked into that first, either the first instance of uh, the mention of Christmas crackers, something that, you know, noisemaker. Right. Or we put it um, later without changing the word. I believe, so, yeah. So this is, I'm kind of getting into the, a lot of specifics, but the, the two things to keep in mind is that our, our goal then is, is just to make the, the reader comfortable. It's not to change the, we didn't make any attempt to make him seem American. Um, we, in fact, would be, would be avid defenders of anything that see, that would seem really intrusive mm-hmm. um, and not British. But we tried wherever, you know, wherever it was natural to make sure that the reader wasn't stopping and stumbling. I mean, this is not, this is not meant to be an educational exercise. You know, the goal in publishing a, a book is not to educate children about English slang. Right. I, you know, and that's, that's not my goal now, and it wasn't my goal then. My goal is to introduce J.K. Rowling to the American public. And just as a, you know, a French publisher is going to try very hard to make sure their translation um, reflects the author's style and intention, I try very hard to make sure that our translations, whenever they were done, um, were respectful and non-intrusive. And I went over every single one of them, word by word, with the author. And we discussed them. We said, what do you think of this? Oh, that's fine. Oh, I don't like that. Is there another way that we can do it? Oh, here's another solution. Or, you know what? I think we just have to leave that. I really want you to leave that phrase as it's fine. It's always, again, up to the author, just as the change in the title is up to the author. Um, Now, you know, I have to say that I always had the idea in my head that as the books went along, we'd have to do this less and less. Right. Because, again, part of the problem is that there's a lot of magical language Mm -hmm. that is made up. Mm -hmm. So that's another block for readers to get through. Well, it's also, again, when you consider the author's original intention, an English child knows when something is, oh, a fantastic, magical invention, and whether it's just, you know, common slang. Yeah. <laughs> so why shouldn't, why shouldn't American readers have that same experience? And obviously, as they're more and more familiar with the world of Hogwarts and the kind of magical, uh, linguistic playfulness that is a kind of a hallmark of, of Rowling's writing. They need fewer and fewer of these translations. And I, I think that readers would find that that is okay. the case. Ron says Shufti in book six, which made me, <laughs> I was looking around for a British person to ask, um, and luckily I had one, um, to ask what it was. But that, it's not... I think by the time a reader is invested in book six, they'll they'll just say, it's British, move Whatever. on. Right. Whatever. Yeah. But in the beginning, to get them into it, yes. And meanwhile, they've also they've had numerous other um, opportunities to hear words in context. They've, they've heard them on the audio. They've seen the movies. Yeah. Um, there's been a lot that has helped to convey um, this language. So... But you're never going to have Ron walking down the halls of Hogwarts and saying, yo, you know, it's just not ever going to happen. Of course so, not. Yeah, and it doesn't that's happen the point. in the first book. And, you know, I, the thing that would get me kind of on edge is when people, you know, kind of attributed other motivations to, you know, what was happening other than really trying to convey the author's work to her readership. Mm-hmm. Um, and it certainly is never, ever done, you know, without her express permission. Important for people to know. Not, not just not permission, even that's the wrong word. Without her participation, just as you know, editors don't go in and cut things, you know, from a book. They suggest cuts, right? And they say to the author, you know, I think this, I think this passage is moving a bit slowly. I don't think you need this. And then the author says, either why you're right, let's cut that <laughs> out, or they say, no, no, you don't. You're not understanding. This needs to. I need to have this for something later, so right. maybe there's something else we can cut. And that's the kind of editorial conversation you have. Right. But I think the general public 
And even, you know, many, many writers who are just starting out have the wrong idea, a mistaken idea of what it is that editors do. Um, you know, and I don't know where it comes from, but I think they have, I think what they're thinking of is teachers. I was just thinking that. Know, mm -hmm. Whose job it is to kind of correct. Mm -hmm. um, and I say that without a great knowledge of teaching since I've never done it. But I think that, you know, I've, ex you know, I remember you would get back a paper and there'd be things, you know, red lines through it and, you know, showing you the correct way to conjugate this, whatever. Um, but that isn't what editors do. Editors are just reacting mm -hmm. to a text and giving the author an opportunity to respond. Right. You know, because yeah. I'm the first reader. I'm, I'm their opportunity to get a reader's response before the rest of the readers get to read it. Right. So if I'm confused, maybe somebody else will be confused. Yeah. Maybe not. You know, I'm the ideal reader in that Going just, just making sure. I always get a little paranoid, but it's there. But what I mean is, I'm the ideal reader, um, in a sense that I know the author's work and I'm so behind it, and I, my motivation is so much out of love and you know, passion and respect. So yeah. I'm like the perfect person, you know, to read something first. Mm -hmm. Well, when you get that first draft, I mean, it's now you're almost coming up to the last one. Mm -hmm. When you get that first draft and you're the first person in the world to see it, mm -hmm. is, the, is it still is it still that excitement, or is it or has it changed from book to book? Your reaction to getting that manuscript. You know, my reaction to the manuscript is is, is absolutely the same because really, what's happened for me is that I've become more and more focused in what I see as my job. You know, and my job, the most important job I have, is to be that first bad reader. Yeah. Um, you know, other parts of my job have become subsumed by the phenomenon. You know, it is no longer, I don't have to be the driving force behind, you know, the, behind the, the emotional energy of the publishing effort. You know, in the beginning, and for most books, mm -hmm. it's the publisher, the, you know, the, the editorial director, the editor, who is driving that, is saying to, is introducing the book to the publishing house, mm -hmm. the sales and marketing people who will then introduce the book to the world. And it's usually the editor who is conveying, um, and it's up to the editor to get across how fantastic, how important the book is. Yeah. You know, that part of it, you know, and kind of making sure that the marketing and sales efforts you know, stay on course mm -hmm. for what the, you know, for what the book needs and what the author wants. And that, again, it's, it's a little bit, it's a little bit less of my job. Right. And I, I certainly don't need to be generating excitement, you know? <laughs> yeah. That's not, that's We've got not you covered. no longer my job. <laughs> yeah. And there are, you know, 8 billion people who will be involved in introducing the book to, to the public. Yeah. But what has not changed is my orientation towards the text and my responsibility to the author. Completely unchanged. What happens to the book once it is made is completely separate from what we do, me and Joe. Right. Which is, it's my job, I have this manuscript, I'm the first reader. It's pure, it's still absolutely pure. My job is to read it and react. Yeah. That's, that is all that I have to do. And I have to do it in the same, in a way that is responsible only to the text. Yeah. I, don't, I don't, I'm not thinking about what readers, you know, what review critics will think or booksellers or blah blah blah. I'm thinking now just what is this what do I feel? What do I think? And how can I express that to Joe in a way that will be helpful to her. Yeah. Now how does that process work? Do you just get a phone call one day and hear hey the book's here? Does Joe call and say it's coming in a week? Do you get any notice like <laughs> one day Harry Potter's on your doorstep? How does that how does that work? I'll never tell. Uh oh <laughs> It's it's a secure 
kind of thing. Cool. Well, we we touched on cuts before, and I've, there's a big a uh, big question in the fandom ever since book six came out, and I know you know this question is coming. <laughs> I just we're we're not like haha we gotcha, but we need to we want to clarify it for the fans. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some extra lines in the book six sure. edition for those who aren't familiar. Mm-hmm. Dumbledore, uh, book six spoiler, book six spoiler, Dumbledore. <laughs> Shut it off if you haven't read it. I have the idea that there are some people who still haven't read it. And are listening to Pottercasts. Right. Um, Dumbledore says to Draco, we can hide you. We can make Voldemort think you're dead. This is the reason that you should. And though the those lines aren't in the British edition. And there have been wild theories as to why this is. Can you? Right. Yeah, you know, here's the thing. So we're human. And you know we can we can make an error like anyone else, and no, not not scholastic. Yeah, yeah. no, and there's we are it's it isn't a vast team, you know, of people making this book. It's mm-hmm. just a few people. It's fewer than normal right. because of, you know we, because of the security issues um, with this book, and we. Are under once the once the manuscript is finished, mm-hmm. we're under a great deal of pressure to to make the the manu- to manufacture the book as quickly as possible. So, you know, we we go through many 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 um, production stages, and at each stage, um, things are proofread and queries are run by Joe. And she makes decisions. She may she gets to read it and make, make last minute decisions. So I, I, you know what? I actually think this paragraph is too long. It needs to be a little bit shorter. The scene is running too long. I want to cut this. You know, blah blah blah. And at that point, the British and American editions are running along parallel tracks. Mm-hmm. In the manuscript stage, we're all in it. We're right in it together. It's me and Emma and Joe in a little tight, <laughs> very small circle. But then, you know, as the books are starting to be manufactured, mm-hmm. other people, you know, read the books, other people comment, questions are sent to Joe, she responds. We we make the changes in both of the editions. Um, and at the end, the books, you know, both come out. Well, it's it's possible that some somehow, you know, the production stage is due back in an hour and lines that were supposed to be deleted mm-hmm. didn't get deleted. Right. But it's not something... That's what happened. It was yeah. like a big <laughs> conspiracy. You know, we were supposed to delete those lines just as right. we deleted other lines and commas and, you know, things that, that um, the ultimate reader never sees. Mm-hmm. Um, but in this case... The error is obvious because it's, you know, it shows up, something different shows up in the British edition. Right. Um, but there's nothing behind it other than the fact that, you know, oops, we goofed. Three. Were the reasons, the reasons to cut those lines were just like, hey, just take us out. It wasn't like a, it's not that it, what people want to know is, does this spoil something for book seven? Is it a content change or rather just a proofreading change? Yeah, well, you know, Joe has her own reasons, yeah. which, you know, I, I'm not going to go into because that's between me and Joe, and the editorial process is private. Mm-hmm. You know, this is one of the things, this is why sometimes when, you, when you're asking me what has changed and what hasn't changed, the fact that she, that Joe is famous mm-hmm. and these books are famously loved doesn't change for me the protected nature of our editorial interaction. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I wouldn't go into these things for any author. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this is what I say to her when I am the reader, you know, when, when it is my, me, the editor, and the writer talking is between the two of us. Mm-hmm. The whole point of it is that it goes on before the book comes out. Right. You know, so they have this safe space in which we can talk about things, they can consider Adding or cutting, or there can be a conversation, and it doesn't get reflected. Mm-hmm. Because it's very so, personal and very emotional right. for a writer to be criticized so, in any forum. 
especially not, it's not, not that it's criticism, but you know what, the, the feedback that right, like you said, it's a, it's a safe space. Yeah, it's more to have their to have their their process has an integrity, mm-hmm. and you know, and our meaning my and Joe's process has an integrity. Um, you know, unfortunately, a, a little clerical error shows a little crack in that integrity, but I wouldn't widen that by discussing, you know, right. even if I knew what her what her motivation was or wasn't for cutting those lines, you know, it could be it could be anything. And we're back. We are back. Yay! How was that, yeah. guys? That was the best interview we've had <laughs> with a ball guy since last week, I guess. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. Yeah. We are like, we're all like Eeyore here. <laughs> Thanks for listening, we're listening. to us. <laughs> it's been a great week. Yeah, well, no, this was a fun little <laughs> show this week. Everybody who doesn't normally listen to the shows, listen to yeah. a short one, listen to Arthur, and then they can come back and download a big-ass one next week. <laughs> Everybody who doesn't listen, we're usually a lot brighter and yeah. funnier than this, but if you go to leakynews.com this coming week, you'll understand why we all feel oh, like yes. we've been run over by a truck. Fitty, fitty, fitty five. In just a few, just a few more weeks. Not a few weeks, John. <laughs> it's soon, it's Less coming, it's not weeks. a few weeks, oh it's coming. Oh my gosh. It coming. might even be out the same day this podcast is out. Oh, nah, that would be no, cool. that's not gonna happen. Probably right. What if we just hit a bunch question of mark? question marks? Yeah, question bubbles, marks all over the fandom. Points. And the fish. 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 The big red, the red fish. fish. <laughs> you know, the MuggleNet guys have been have been bothering us about about Fifty Five. They, they want to know what it is as well. And so, relentless. They 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 think that it's um they thought that they were slick and Andrew, I am Alex, who's been working really hard on Fifty Five. Uh, Yay, Alex. Alex. That's the, and Nick pulled in, of course, and, and old John. We'll, we'll we'll get to you. We'll get to you. We'll get no. to you, John. Anyway. Mm. Anyway. So Andrew IMs Alex and says, "Hey, where's that link? I, Melissa gave it to me before, but I, I've just I've I've lost it." And so <laughs> he thinks that Alex. Ew. No, no, no. This is great. He thought that Alex was 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 considering it, and of course Alex IMs me and said, "Look what Andrew sent me." So I said, "Wait, wait, 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 wait," and I mocked up a page really quick to show him. Um, our big red herring graphic. Oh. So that I had Alex answer him and say, "Oh, oh, you mean this link?" And he clicked the link, and the big fish opened up the screen. So I asked Andrew, did, "You know, did you did you think that you had us for for a second? He said, "For for many seconds." <laughs> he got punked. Punked. He got punked. He even had time to run over to Kevin Stack and and, and tell him that he was about to get the big secret. Uh, <laughs> and Kevin was Kevin was aiming me going. You're you're you know you're you're punging him or whatever, aren't you? I said yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Kevin actually looked at the fish backwards to did forward. Yeah, yeah, you. See, I was gonna say that, and I thought, no, they'll think that's too hokey. But you did it. Good job. <laughs> Trademark leaky red herring. Yeah, Ke- backwards, Kevin. No, he's he's a cool kid. He's probably not really a case. The oldest kid there. Positively ancient by standards. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Twenty-one. Okay. Oh. Let's get out of here. <laughs> yeah, we're not usually all this, you know. Boring, yeah. tired. Yeah. <laughs> Not very oh, exciting. So yeah, Steve, let's cut out the part about good old Arthur being bald. I think Arthur would laugh. You think? Yeah, is I he think still bald? He is still bald. <laughs> that was by choice <laughs> last time, I think. But Cheryl loves Hot Cheryl. He finds it hilarious. Oh, well, sure she does. Well, yeah, everybody loves Hot She's Cheryl. She's good. She's cool. Nobody has asked on the forum who Hot Cheryl is. Yeah. Did they just know? Yeah, you know, that's a good point. Anyway. Yeah. Well, how about all you fan artists out there, draw me a picture of Hot Show. <laughs> Have her holding a big Chipotle burrito. That'd be nice. I need a new wallpaper. Mm. I'm leaving. Okay, wrapping it up. Until next week with 55. Hey, we're going to have a whole podcast about 55, aren't we? Yeah, we might as well. Yeah, I think we should. There'd be plenty to talk about. <laughs> Least of which all this fun speculation. Okay, I have to go. Okay, oh, come on, let's. Just... We gotta go out on a fun, happy 55 note. Okay. Yay! Yay! Hey. Good show. <laughs> That's the end of Buttercast number 23. Also, Vinti Trace says, "My, uh, my new roommates would." Tell Jeffrey me. he's the bomb, or Joseph. No, it's Joseph. <laughs> <laughs> Joseph, not Jeffrey. 
<laughs> He's probably gonna listen Joseph, to this one. Joseph, you're the bomb for doing the kissy face, and everybody will understand why. Yeah, Joseph true. helped model for that for Fitty. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he was. That was oh, him. Oh, there you go. Yeah, send yeah. him your uh, compliments cool. at Joseph at uh, DanceDanceRevolution.com. <laughs> <laughs> I love Dance Dance Revolution. <laughs> That's my new favorite game. It's the best, best game ever. ever. Yeah, I think the day that I get about, uh, I don't know, 10 Chipotle cards is the day I videotape myself doing the dance dance and uploading it for all you guys. Do you actually do that? I want to see that. Oh, I yeah. might have to send it just that. Okay. Hey, listen, you only got 8 Chipotle cards to go, and I haven't been to the P.O. Box in a while. <laughs> you could be there already. You sure you want to um, make this? I don't care. Yeah, I love that. I love that game. I'm sweet. Okay. <laughs> okay, when John gets his 10th Chipotle burrito card, I will take a picture of them to prove it, yeah, yeah. and he will... Lord knows I won't be able to see him. Must upload... They're sitting here waiting for Vegas. You can't even get them in Florida. Oh, yeah, I can. All right, let's go. Let's get okay. out of here, please. Hey, now, now go vote for us on Podcast Alley <laughs> and not for MuggleNet. Oh, yeah. They suck. That stuff. <laughs> <laughs> or not. Yeah, no, we love MuggleNet. Mm-hmm. They're, they're totally the opposite of suck. They, they blow. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you were going to say it. I heard it coming out of your mouth right before it came out. I was just waiting for it. And I thought maybe you'd bite it down and, like, would realize that that's an inappropriate no. and insulting thing to say. But no, it's not Noe. <laughs> no, I know. I love those guys. I'm actually going to be in a oh. cast this week. Yeah. Yeah, they just don't know it yet. <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh, I'm going to go collapse now. That's a good plan. Bye, guys. Oh, and about time, too. Please. Yeah. <laughs> See you. Bye, have a good week. Later, everybody. We've missed it. I confess myself disappointed. Now, if you don't mind, I'm going to bed. Great, Scott. No wonder. Look at the time. We've been here nearly four hours. Spooky how the time flies when one's having fun. (laughs) So, welcome to the... We call this edition, I just dropped coffee all over myself, interesting part of the, this will be a blooper, Melissa just got coffee everywhere, she's not, (laughs) he hands, discreetly hands me a napkin, okay, okay, okay.